We needed to talk about sex critically in order to write about two people who are critiquing each other's sex. This is episode 15 with Jennifer Miller and Jason Pfeiffer, authors of the hot new novel, Mr. Nice Guy. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast about love, sex, and identity in the modern world. I'm your host, Jared Matthew Weiss. Each week, I chat with an inspiring person that will help you expand your mind, open your heart, and give you one thing to think about on your journey towards great love. Thanks for hanging with me today. Here we go. You know, if there's one thing I've learned from talking to thousands of people about their sex lives, it's that we do not need to talk about sex to have sex, but we do need to talk about sex to have great sex. In this episode, I sit with power couple Jen Miller and Jason Pfeiffer. Jen is a published author and journalist who writes for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and more. Jason is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Together, They wrote a novel called Mr. Nice Guy about two dating columnists who sleep together once a week and then review each other's performance in their respective columns. In our conversation, they open up about the ups and downs of collaborating with a romantic partner, the ways in which talking about sex has changed their relationship, and they share a few personal stories from their sexual pasts that you won't want to miss. They're an inspiring couple, incredible parents, and it was such a privilege to hang with them for a little while. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. So this was our first very official joint collaboration. Right. Um, we this is a business venture. Yeah. I mean, you're really, yeah, yeah, it this is. This is very this much right. on your business. Your business partners. At, at we this are. Point, right? I, I think of it that way. Totally. Yeah, this Absolutely. Is, this is um, and this is the first thing with our. So this is the first thing with both of our names on it. Yeah. Sure. So so we I outside mean, of your your child. Outside yes. of our child, <laughs> yeah. which who has both of our names <laughs> tattooed on him. <laughs> there you go. He only has your name though. We gave him your last name, but in that any is case, true. <laughs> yeah. he looks exactly like you. We're not even sure that he's mine, but. Um. Well, we should have some evidence. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those things that it's easy to prove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so yeah, working together. Um, yeah, so so when Jason and I were first dating, maybe about six months in, at that time I was working on my on a draft of my what would become my debut novel. And I did something really dumb, which was ask Jason to both read the novel and also give me critical feedback on the novel, oh. um, which could have been a disaster, but I kind of felt like, you know, if this relationship was going to move forward, I need to know that A, this guy likes my writing and, uh-huh. um, you know, appreciates my work and B, that he, you know, can give both honest and sensitive feedback to that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was pleasantly surprised <laughs> that he both liked the novel and um, gave gave really great feedback and it just showed me that we we could really work as a team yeah and so the relationship progressed yeah. <laughs> I did not I did not break it off yeah <laughs> okay yeah what about you yeah I, I that was quite a challenge that she threw at me but it was good it was good I mean I agree with her in it like the other side of this is equally true right like she didn't want to be with someone who didn't like her writing and I didn't want to be with someone whose writing I didn't like so we might as well get this out of the way uh, because writing is so important to both of us. I would it would be so awkward to be with someone who you didn't you didn't respect their work. 
Um, she gave me this novel, and I had to think hard about how I was going to approach editing it. Because you know my 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 role professionally is, is is an editor. I've been an editor at Boston Magazine, Men's Health, Fast Company, Maxim, now Entrepreneur, and I usually serve as the gatekeeper. Right, I am the gatekeeper for these brands. I understand their voice, their message, their mission, and I am um, making sure that everything that gets through me is is filtered appropriately for the brand. Uh, that's my job at a, at a magazine. That's not my job if I'm editing my then girlfriend's novel. Um, my job is to make sure that the novel, that the work is, achieves what she is going for. Not yeah. what I'm going for. Not what some brand is going for. What she's going for. So that meant that instead of rewriting things or reworking things as I might do when I'm editing somebody's work for a magazine, I just, I did a lot of circling and a lot of questions. I would circle, you know, like if something didn't work for me, I would circle it and then we would talk about it and I would always say, okay, what were you going for in this scene? What was the thing that you were trying to achieve in this? Because of course, everything that you write in a novel is driving towards something. It's character development. It's moving the plot along. It's getting us to this point. It's whatever it is. So I would say, what are you going for? And then once uh, we knew that, I could say, okay, here's why I don't feel like this is achieving the thing that you're looking for. And then we can figure out a solution. Thank God you've given us that framework to work with because now we're just going to apply it to sex. Well, exactly. <laughs> so I just really want to know, yeah. like, it's tough. You know, it's one thing to be like, wow, I'm vulnerably asking my partner for feedback on something I've written because I feel like this is part of my like life purpose and what I'm passionate about. What about feedback in bed? How, have you, I guess my question is prior to writing this novel and even in the context of your relationship, like, have you felt comfortable enough to ask for feedback in bed? Is that something that like is a, has it been a thing that existed in your relationship and you thought it would be fun to bring it into a novel? And like, how is it, you know, how is, uh, what's your relationship to that like? So I would actually say that the novel has been fantastic for our marriage and our sex lives. Yeah. So we've been married now for almost seven years. It'll be seven years at the end of October. Okay. And you know, when you've been with somebody and I realize that, you know, people have been married for yeah. far that longer. That long is very relative. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but okay. So, but you know, it's not a, like not a short period not of a time. Short period of time. Yeah. And so, you know, you definitely get in, you get into routines, you are comfortable with the other person. So you know what the other person likes. So there's not, you know, it's very easy to actually not talk about sex, to not, um, mm -hmm to not question things, to not um, ask for new things. and Which we did a lot of in the beginning. Which we did a lot of in the beginning. And then there was a period of many years, I would say. when Like we seven? The <laughs> 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 beginning was like the first week. <laughs> right. It was just a long stretch. Right, right. When, when, when you just don't. And, and in fact, the, the longer you go without talking about it, the harder it is to then start talking about it because you because even though you are very you feel very close with someone and you and you try I mean I trust Jason a hundred percent but I'm still embarrassed to like talk to him about certain things or like ask him for certain things um, so writing this book writing Mr. Nice Guy was actually great because it forced us to start having that conversation. Yeah. Um, because we needed to talk about sex critically in order to write about two people who are critiquing each other's sex, sexual experiences. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, having something like that in your in your life and if you are not planning on writing a part a, a novel about sex with your partner, there's like many, many other things you could do. Right. Going to a touch point, go, listening to this podcast, like anything that you can do together, I think that opens up that conversation and keeps it an active subject in your relationship, I think is really valuable. That's what we found. Um, reading a book about two people reading a book about who two are people, sleeping right. together uh-huh. and then discussing <laughs> so, that. Right. Reading Mr. Nice Guy. Great. Um, uh, because, you know, I mean, you, I mean, you ultimately, your, your question was really about like this, the, the scope of our relationship. And, and yeah, we, we, at the very, very beginning, we, talked a lot about it. Um, and, and I would, I would say that, that was driven by Jen, um, who's very open, um, and, uh, very good at articulating what she's looking for. And, and also I just feel like you had in the beginning, you had a level of comfort of sharing what you were looking for that I didn't. Um, and that, that may have come from that my, my prior relationship before Jen there was not a lot of talk about sex. And so I, I didn't, I wasn't used to it. And, um, so it didn't feel, it didn't come naturally. And so when Jen was very open about it, I, I loved that. I, but I really, I felt like I, I sort of took her lead. Um, somebody needed to open the door and I, I don't know that I, I, I wasn't in the habit of opening that door myself. Mm. Yeah. I think I was lucky in the sense that, um, so, so just a little bit of background on our previous long-term relationship. So, Jason and I um, were both in quite long relationships before we met each other. He was in a nine-year relationship. I was in an eight-year relationship. We dated a lot after breaking up with our significant others, but but the experience for both of us was meeting somebody really early on in college and then staying with that person through college and into our mid to late 20s. Um, And... I think luckily for me, the guy that I was dating, kind of the environment that I was in in college was one that was like very, very open. I mean, I remember I, I'm not Where'd you go sh- to school? I went to Brown. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not, I, I don't, I'm actually not sure that, that I've told you this, but, um, Ooh. yeah, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, but I do, so I do remember in college, um, like trying to figure out if I could have a vaginal orgasm. And this was like a discussion among myself and, and a bunch of my friends. You've met my friend Arden, um, who mm-hmm. also is like, you know, very good friends with, with my ex. Um, and so we actually went out, we actually went to the store and like bought some vegetables. <laughs> we're like, we're not investing. I'm like, I'm not investing in like sex toys that cost a lot of money. I'm just going to get some vegetables. You wanted to go organic. Yeah, totally organic. They're called organic sex toys. That's <laughs> so, all. Right. So I got some vegetables. I like cleaned them off very well. Um, and then Jasper and Arden, like Jasper is my boyfriend. Like they, I like went into the bedroom. They like hung out outside the door. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like fooling around with these vegetables, like trying to see like whether like, I could get anything to happen. I I didn't. It was fine. But it was just pretty, it was just funny. Like that was the environment that like the college environment that I had. Wow. That was definitely not my college environment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. So, so how do you feel hearing that? Uh, You know, I actually, I do, I, I would have never pulled that story out of my memory, but I did hear that story. Yeah. I mean, like now that you say it, I remember it. Um, I mean, I feel fine about that. One thing, I mean, one thing <laughs> he we... He feels fine about it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if the premise of your question is that sometimes it's uncomfortable hearing your partner's past sexual experiences. That's never been a problem. One of the things we did, and I think one of the ways that we shared what we were into and what we were looking for 
when we were when we when it was a new relationship is we we talked about everything from our pasts and like everything that we had done with other people like it was i never found that to be upsetting information like it was actually kind of interesting yeah yeah i actually remember walking along the beach on our honeymoon asking jason about blowjobs <laughs> i don't remember that. yeah we had we went we were we went it was the we spent the afternoon um sneaking into the pools of other resorts yeah i remember that yeah <laughs> along the way i was like all right so like tell me everything that like went right and wrong oh. with uh with your ex huh oh that's funny i don't remember that um <laughs> But yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a very, that's a question you would definitely ask. Yep. I mean, that, yeah. Have you ever had a very specific question or conversation amongst the two of you around your sexual like interactions? Have you ever said like, have you ever done circles and questions uh, around your own sexual, you know, uh, experiences together? Hmm. Circles and questions. I mean, I mean, we haven't like written it down. We haven't like written <laughs> essays about. No, but how do you have that conversation? You know, I think it's like the something I like to call the the feedback loop of meh um, is, uh, you know, we get caught in this like cycle where we're experiencing something. It's not like so terribly offensive or painful that we need it to stop. But like, it's not great. We just sort of like experience it, our partners into it. And then you know, we move on. And so we're kind of caught in this feedback loop because we're experiencing something. We don't really say like, give any constructive feedback on how it could be better or different. And we constantly experience it regularly and we move on to the next thing. And it's not until we're like, hey, actually like we put a circle around it, right? To use your language, put mm -hmm. a circle around it. We ask questions, what are you, uh, what's going on here? Like, what do we, oh, what do we yeah. want to do? I so mean, I'm curious how that shows up in your life. Yeah, I mean, I think I do. I think I do that to you. Yeah, you, you do it more. You Jason, do it more. like, I'm like trying to get Jason to like give me give yeah. me more feedback. I'm giving him more. I'm definitely giving him. Yeah, more she feedback. gives me she gives me more feedback. Um, and, you know, and it, and the reason that I don't give her more is is honestly because I feel like I've already told her all my things. I, I like I feel I feel so. We we were talking with um, Emily Morse about this from Sex with Emily. Sure. Um, that I Jen will prompt me for you know like is there something you would like? Is there something you know like what would you like to and. And I kind of feel like I, in the course of seven years, have told her all the things and I'm tapped out, which is not. But Emily, Emily's response was what she was like, you know, I think that a lot of people feel that way. And it's in part because they may not they may not know the options. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they need a menu. Totally. They need a menu of things. I feel like I need a menu of things like, I, you know, like e even because for, for me, it was like it was always it was always like, I don't know, little like it was always like a lot of little things. Like I'm really into like hear, breathing in my ear. And I told her that, but I told her that years ago and then yeah. she does it. Like she like picked it up immediately, does it. It's awesome. Um, and I'm just, I like, I don't, I feel like I'm out of things. <laughs> I just feel like I'm yeah. out of things. Yeah. Whereas I think Jen, um, kind of can, can always produce more things. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, well, here's a question for you. I mean, when, when we were writing Mr. Nice Guy, like, did you, did we come up with things together that were like new things that we would actually want to do? So like, I'll just give you an example. So there's a scene in the book that involves, so actually just to back up a, a little bit. So, you know, our, our two protagonists are every week they meet, they have a sexual rendezvous. They're often given some kind of um, project or tests that they have to, they have to actually have sex like in a public place or they have to have sex using food or my favorite scene in the book involves a remote control vibrator 
we do not own a remote control vibrator. Actually, Emily Morris said that she was going to send us one. Yeah, so I'm we're like, waiting for that. We're like waiting for it to show up in the mail. Um, so, so I'm wondering if like Jason, like the creative process of like inventing these critiques, like did it give you any ideas for things you'd want to do or, or was it just kind of like fun and over the top? And I mean, a lot of it was fun and over the top, right? Like there's a scene, there's a scene where, um, so, so part of the setup of the book is that when these characters are doing this, there comes a time when the, the, the editor uh, character who is overseeing the whole operation uh, starts throwing challenges at them. And so they'll show up at a hotel room and there will be something there. Like that's how the remote controlled vibrator gets introduced. And, um, and so one time, like a, a whole, a whole food cart of desserts wheels in um, to, to have a bunch of like food play. Uh, I thought that was a like, that was a really fun scene. I gotta be honest, I don't know that I'm interested in that at all. Like, yeah, I'm not really either. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a mess. Um, I mean, there there's a scene there's a scene where they like have sex on a balcony. We, we've not done a whole lot of like public sex. That's true. Yeah, oh, that actually we, sounds fun. Yeah. Do you want to tell Jared about um, about the scene that that we put in the book? that I asked you to do something and you did oh, it yeah, and sure. then you regretted it <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Actually, you know what? It's, it's, it, it, this is funny. Cause we can then, we can like, we, Jen and I have not really talked about this scene live. We've, we've, t- we've only, I'll explain the whole thing. Um, so we, we've like, we've, we've exchanged information about this, but we haven't actually talked about it. Um, so, uh, so there's a scene in the book where uh, it, the character Lucas, who's the kind of inexperienced, uh, sexually inexperienced um, got male columnist in this whole thing, um, where he is explaining to somebody, I can't remember who, it doesn't matter, um, something from his past. And, and that something from his past is just pulled directly from Jen and my relationship, which is that, which is that he, um, he, he sometimes feels like he has said, he has not said yes to things um, enough that he, he his default was to find some reason to say no to it. And uh, there's this scene, there's this moment he's talking about where he and his girlfriend, which is really just Jen and I. So Jen and I, now I'll just import it into myself. Um, and Jen and I were, we went to some event. I can't remember what it was for, but it was at some fancy hotel. And there was a ton of people there. And one Republic was playing for God knows what reason. And, um, and Jen got a little tipsy and tried to get me to go into the bathroom with her to fool around. And I, I did not want to do it. And the reason I didn't want to do it is because there were a ton of people around and there were like guards everywhere. And I was just, my, my first thought was we are going to get kicked out of this place. Like we're going to get found out and we're going to get kicked out and it's going to be extremely embarrassing. And uh, like, if it was, if it was, um, if there were no guards or if there was like, if it seemed easier, like Jen once did this at a wedding. Yeah, I was going to say, we did it at a, we wedding. Did it at a wedding. We won't and say whose wedding. Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> say whose wedding. But we did it at a wedding and you, right. And you actually, I required a little convincing because yeah. again, same thing. I was just afraid of getting caught, but, but I, I did it because it sounded fun. And I thought the chances of getting caught are low enough that we should just go with it. Um, and also that if we got caught, people would handle it more gently than they would at this event where there's like, it's a professional thing. Who and cares I was like, if you get 
kicked out of a One Republic I know. concert. It's not a One Republic <laughs> concert. I wouldn't care about that. Anyway, point is I didn't so do good. it. And then I kind of regretted it that, that whole night. And I look back upon that moment with regret because it would be like, that was fun. Like, we were young and we should go have sex in the bathroom. But then I put myself back into that moment. And I'm like, but I still don't know that I could get past the fear of being caught. So um, so that's something that he said. So, uh, so I. So that uh, went into the book. So that went into the book. Did you. And, so, and then the reason that the reason that we haven't talked about in it the book, do they have sex in the bathroom? No, no, in the book, it's is it true to real life in the book? Like, yeah, no, it, yes, it's true to real life. Okay. In real life, the anecdote is delivered as a as an explanation of regret. That yeah. this is the kind of thing that I didn't do in the past that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in in the book, um, in the book, Lucas, um, who's the stand-in for Jason, or Jason's the stand-in for Lucas. At that point in the book, um, Lucas co kind of cops out. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and but then that's part of the like narrative of the book that he has yeah. to like figure well, out how yeah. to actually like become a man, right. and not get, not be afraid of getting so found right. Out. So so then you know what I'm hearing that like this book was like a fun playground for you to talk about like sexual fantasy to like use your creative minds to come up with some really interesting stuff sexually. Um, and it sounds like a lot of stuff that maybe you haven't experienced, but like stuff that you thought would be fun to like write about and explore. Is there anything in the book outside of like this experience where it didn't happen and it was based on fear, you backed out and that's it. Is there anything in the book that's super exciting and tantalizing that is actually not just a fantasy that you created, but something you've actualized in the real world? Oh. I mean, as soon as that remote control vibrator arrives, <laughs> it will be <laughs> Emily. <laughs> well, that's so that's interesting. Has the book now become like a like a bucket list for your sex life? Like, <laughs> you know, I suppose in a way. Yeah, I mean, like we said, no, no, no food cart. No, no food I got food that. Cart, yeah, yeah, no food cart. But right. um, food cart afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, afterwards. I think that I think that what you're saying around around a menu is really interesting because I think that you know, years ago when we started the Touchpoint Town Hall, um, the first thing I would do is I'd ask everybody to get up and I'd say, have you lived many of your sexual fantasies, yes or no? If your yeses, go to this side. If your noes, go to this side. And um, and it would be interesting. And then I'd say, okay, the people on, on, on the yes side, like share a sexual fantasy that you've lived. And somebody would share. And then I'd go to the other side, share a sexual fantasy that you, you've yet to live. Oh, and then they'd... So interesting. What was interesting about it though is that more more often people would articulate that like, they didn't know what their sexual fantasies were. And you'd see people who'd say, yes, I've lived all my sexual fantasies. I don't know. I didn't really have that many to begin with. Then people would start sharing their sexual fantasies. And then you'd watch people walk from the yes side <laughs> over to the no side because they're like, that's now my sexual fantasy. Right. right. And I think that like so much of what people experience at the town hall is that expanding of the menu of being like, Oh, I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't even know that like, that was a thing that we could even, you know, we could try or right. experience. And, and so, you know, we just recently this week, we had our town hall about watching porn and it was a really fascinating conversation because like much of it was actually in defense of porn. And a lot of the narrative we have around porn is like really like, a negative one. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what really emerged is that like what's becoming more and more popular is, is, is uh, ethical pornography and, and feminist driven porn. It's not just like, you know, there, there really in theory should be nothing wrong with like watching two people have sex. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like I learned how to tie a bow tie from watching a video. I learned how to write. So you think yeah. like there's a lot of, there's tremendous educational value in watching people have sex. Oh, for sure. So, um, so, in preparation for this book, did 
pornography or reading other, you know, sex stories or like, where were you as you were pulling this, this information, you know, and, and inspiration, were you watching porn? Were you, were you diving into any of these other places to figure out like what is possible or was this all, is this all really in your subconscious and like, what the <laughs> hell is really going on here? If it's, if it's still back there, then like, you know, what's going on? So yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good question. I mean, we do watch porn. Um, uh, what kind of porn do you watch? Uh, well, I am pretty much only, and this goes to the article that Jason was describing earlier. I am like pretty much only interested in women on women porn, uh-huh. as long as they don't have French manicures. I can't stand the French yeah. manicures. They like actually all have French manicures. Really hard to find good porn in which the women are actually normal looking women and don't have French manicures. Yeah, it's funny. That was not something that I ever noticed until Jen was. So, if any listeners have suggestions for me. Please get in touch. <laughs> are you familiar with Are you familiar with like Lust Cinema and Erica Lust and all of her work? No. no. Okay, we're, so we're she's pretty much only familiar with um with whatever we come across on Pornhub. Yeah. So I think that that's that's really fascinating. It's interesting they say women on women. So a lot of the women at our town hall this week were talking about that they like to watch like. Um, not just women on women, but actually gay male porn was really popular amongst huh. a lot of women. And um, and I think that one woman shared that it was like she wanted to watch sex, like men have sex without like objectifying or traumatizing a woman. And like that was really uh, powerful. But I think that the other thing that came up is that like, like I said, like watching pornography can be really educational and inspirational but the storytellers you know have to be a little bit less misogynistic Mm. (laughs) um uh and so there you know erica lust is a name that came up a lot and she's a uh, this like feminist pornographer who's got uh, her she's got many websites but the one that came up many times was one it's called lust cinema and it's just like these very beautiful cinematic like movies i mean they really do look like movies and uh and they're beautiful and they're they're showcasing people that are at the intersections of of race and gender and orientation and relational orientation and all these things and it's super inspiring all right we'll Um, check it out tonight yeah (laughs) so 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 do you guys watch this you know uh uh, women on women do you watch that porn together or is it something that like yeah okay i mean yeah not always not always, but sometimes. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't say, I mean, I didn't watch any porn in preparation for writing the book. I actually had previously written an article for Self Magazine um, about sexy media mm-hmm. um, in which I had, um, it was basically like a survey of books and movies that had really hot scenes, but were not misogynistic. Um so I had, I had kind of previously gone looking for some of that, um, I'm sure. And that was a number of years ago. So I think it probably, um, you know, was somewhere in my subconscious. Um, but yeah, Jason, what was, what was your research like for Mr. Nice Guy? <laughs> I mean, my research was really sitting around and my research was through my own life. I and mean, that's how I mostly felt about it. Like I... Um, because because the thing is there are there are these moments in the book where they're doing kind of stunty things um the sex outdoors and the food and stuff um but a lot of it is really kind of down to basics um like there are so so what happens is that the the female columnist who's really not all that into this experiment uh to begin with 
really slow walks it. So she insists on like there's just a week, like week one, they are doing nothing but making out. And then week two, it's like heavy petting, right? Or like, whatever. I hate that phrase. Um, and and so I, I was thinking, I, I I was trying to think back to what was what was I like? What were my kind of basic experiences? Um, I drew a lot from this window of time of mine when I came out of that long-term relationship of nine years. I moved to New York and I was brand new single for literally the first time. I mean, because I started dating this girl in high school or in college and then and then it went until I was 28. And then I moved to New York and I started dating for the first time. I didn't know anything. I mean, anything about anything, right? So um, I didn't know how to date. I didn't really know what people were looking for sexually. I didn't know anything. So I packed a lot in and I stumbled a lot. And I thought a lot about what was going on now with with the clarity of hindsight and also what the women of that time probably experienced with me because I was so inexperienced. Um, and then I tried to just, I just tried to imagine what would happen if they were, um, good writers. <laughs> I got to, had to write, um, a write about that experience with me. And so I, that's what I was often doing. Um, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot more of kind of plumbing my own really. I mean, I remember sitting like thinking back, who are these women? I, I sometimes I like found them on Facebook just to like find. You'd actually look them up. Yeah, just to find like a photo because trying to remind me of th- of like things, <laughs> um, and uh, which is not you know it's funny you like really you have to it's like such a windy road right because I like don't remember full names and so. Um, so you did do research. So I did that research. I love this yeah. research. He's looking back uh, yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like just finding a photo of someone from your past will bring up all sorts of memories. Um, and so, I, yeah, that, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of that. I really I really kind of searched through through myself because it's not, it's you know, it's just not, the book doesn't go into this place of weird it's not like it's not like a weird sex book you know what i mean or like it's not it's not a kink book it's not a Um, 50 shades of gray yeah yeah it's really it's it's really ultimately a kind of foundational what are what are people looking for in themselves and others yeah uh, kind of exploration and 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 that and that was more that also it was just easier to, to to realistically offer that from the two of us because we well one we've been you know we've been only sleeping with one person for quite a while now and um but also uh, neither of us have like very very extensive sexual pasts um you know we we like we we haven't had that many partners relative to probably a lot of our friends yeah, yeah. so uh, there you know we we drew from what we knew that's amazing so um so what I'd love to do is uh first I want to just a little bit more clarity the book comes out when October 16th. October 16th. And like, do you want people to go to the bookstore? October, do you want people yeah. to buy it on Amazon? Do you want to tell us? Tell oh, us yeah. how to tell I, us. We should probably say October 16th, 2018, depending on just for whenever. October 16th, to this. 2018. So it's, yeah. it's almost certain that the book has already come out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so Mr. Nice Guy by Jennifer Miller and Jason Pfeiffer. Um, we just want you to we just want you to buy it and yeah. then we want to hear from you about what what you think. Um, buy it on Amazon, buy it on Barnes and Noble, um, go to your favorite independent bookstore and buy it from them. If they don't have it there, go to your second favorite independent <laughs> bookstore. <laughs> Is there a website? Do you have a website you? for the book? <laughs> we do. Mr. Nice Guy Novel, Mr. being MR, Mr. Nice Guy Novel.com. 
um, Audible, right? It'll be yep. audiobook. Have you recorded the audiobook? So, so they hired an actor to read the narrative, but Jason and I read all the columns. And the columns are where all the sex is. And we didn't realize that, or we had kind of forgotten that until we were in the studio having to read these columns. <laughs> Like just, I mean, I just could feel my face turning bright red <laughs> as I was reading this stuff. Wow. Um, so we just hope our parents never listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we've instructed them that there, there are going to be things that they're not going to want to experience. With Did you talk about sex with your parents when you were growing up? Is this like a, you know, I got to tell you, like, we're going to play this game in a minute. We'll pull a few cards and mm -hmm. we'll talk about it. But I sat down with my parents, specifically my father, about six months ago, seven months ago. And we sat down and, and played some cards. And uh, it was a little awkward. Yeah. Because I think I realized for the first time, I was like, wow, we've really never had like a pretty honest conversation about sex. Um, so I guess, you know, talking about referencing your parents and yeah. talking about yeah, sex. No, yeah. I mean, aside from the talk. And I remember my mom giving me the talk and I remember being really annoyed because I had already learned it in school and I was like, we're done with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it ever went anywhere past that. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. like when I was like 10. Yeah, I think similar. I mean, my parents would try to engage me in conversation. Like they weren't the kind of parents that were like, I'm going to tell you about my sex life. Right. They weren't like that. Um, um, I think they were they were they wanted to raise a well balanced child and that they were comfortable to whatever degree with like being there for the information that I needed. I think that they talked to my sister a lot more cause she was more open about her own um, like relationships and everything with my mom than I, and I was not, I was not a sharer with my parents. So, yeah. um, so no, but they didn't, you know, they weren't like closed off to anything. Like they're very open-minded people. And, yeah. Same uh, with my yeah. parents. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, I feel like there was something else I was going to say, but I forgot. We'll see. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Okay, so um, so this is called, uh, these are called the cards that make you better in bed in other places. And uh, it's a deck of 69 cards. Um, basically, all the, every card has a theme on it. And the themes come from the, these are the top 69 themes uh, that we found in the 1600 plus questions that have been submitted to Touchpoint over the last two and a half years. Um, we chose 69 for many reasons nice. um but um basically every every card has a uh has a theme uh and so the way we like to play is one of you can pull a card and then just share the first thing that comes up for you it could be a person's name it could be a place it could be a word most recently people started responding with sounds uh <laughs> and then if uh, if we have sound. any questions if we have any questions you know we'll we'll talk about it okay all right cool good. so this was really just a, a a way for us to like facilitate an open conversation about sexuality um love it so do we do we just pull the top card yeah if you yeah. want or you or can you shuffle it you know you can do a tarot style it's totally up to you top, top card. card okay what we got faking orgasm okay faking an orgasm so what comes up for you around that no <laughs> um yeah uh i've done it once with me no <laughs> no this was some girl um i can't remember oh i do remember it was um i do remember it was uh um we had we had uh we had stayed um in some weekend it was like you know when you're with somebody and it's like just it's basically you're just with them for the sex uh and then um and, and then you just have a lot of it and i remember there was one weekend where we just went a couple times and then 
um, by like the third time, I just like, I don't think that I physically had it in me. I just didn't have it in me. Um, and I didn't want to insult her and just be like, you know what? Tapped out. Um, so I just, I actually, and I remember thinking, it. I was like, isn't the, the, the stereotypically the woman is the one doing this, but I'm just going to do this because ah. this has yeah. to end. Like I'm just physically done. And oh, I wish that I had known that we would have put it in the book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that until right now. That's, that's a, the beauty of the card is that a prompt. Yeah. I did. I, that is a memory that I have not accessed in 10 years. There Amazing. You <laughs> there you go. And you said, no, that was just your response. Yeah, because, um, well, you said it's interesting because, I mean, to bring it back to your original story about can I have a vaginal orgasm and playing with, you know, organic sex toys when you're in college, I guess, like, what has been your relationship to orgasm? I mean, because you haven't been faking them, but it also sounds like you weren't necessarily having them while you were having penetrative sex when specifically right. when you were brown. I was re- and I was really frustrated for a very long time that I couldn't have an orgasm vaginally. And then I just kind of told myself that this is not worth it because I can have other orgasms and it's still really good. So I'm just going to not worry about it anymore. Um, and, but I've, I've never, but there's never been a situation where I've slept with somebody where like, I've like where I've faked it. Yeah. So like either I don't have one or I'm like, all right, now you have to give me one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you were like, you were like open about that from day one. Yeah. You just like told me that. Yeah. (laughs) Was that, that was in that first week. Yeah, that was my first, <laughs> first day. The first power, day. the power yeah, week. Well, not first day. Yeah, it took us. It took us about a week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, Jay, you want to pull a card? Sure. I realize you're both Jay, so yeah. Uh, I, I, f- I figured I was. And I'm Jay too, so it's super confusing. So you're oh, your you're going card. with the. Oh, I'm, no, okay. I'm, just, I'm cutting. In yeah, the I love that. I don't. I don't. Uh, you maybe it's right. I, I want yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Uh, watching porn. Oh my God. Okay. There you go. We've already done that. Okay. So okay, pick again. So let's pick again. All right. Next one. Being watched. Oh. Um, so what comes up around that? We talked about, I mean, I know we didn't want to have sex at the at the One Republic concert no. in the bathroom, um, but what about people actually witnessing you have sex? Or your partner, wit- wit- or like witnessing your partner. Yeah. That's why I like the, um, that's why I like the um, remote control vibrator scene so much. Mm, mm. Right? Because they're watching each other. Right. It's yeah. actually right. It's kind of like a way to, it's a way to do it without actually introducing a third person. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So what, okay. So what is the scene? Somebody is. So basically the, the scene is that, um, is that Lucas has this, um, has the remote and he's sitting across the room and Carmen has the actual vibrator. So he's in control of what is happening, but he's also watching right. as it's happening. I won't give away what happens. Right, right. Let's, it's yeah. a great scene, though. So a- is there anything from your, from your actual lives uh, that you know, comes up when you think about being watched? And also just feelings. It doesn't even have to be an experience. Like, is that something that feels like exciting or interesting? Um, I mean, I, it's like, I, I sort of like the idea sitting here right now talking about it, but I actually don't know that I would like it in practice. You mean like a third person? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it just sounds like, yeah, that sounds interesting, but I, I but then, like, I just think about the practicalities of it, of, like, actually having the third person. Um, and I'm like, I don't know that I need it. It's certainly not something that I've ever desired. I think the, the closest that I think I come is um, is sort of sometimes, sometimes being aware <laughs> so it's like if we're, if we're having sex in a room with windows um, and it's possible that someone else is able to see in from another building. I actually really I'm not into that at home because I think that we will run into those people on the street. Like I'm not into that sitting in this living room right now because 
we can see those windows for the next building and I will I just don't want to see those people on the street um, but if we're in like a hotel or something the idea of it is slightly exciting I, it's sort of I don't know it's like yeah I, I this doesn't um this this is this registers as a as a maybe for me I'd rather us watch each other than yeah. have a random have a per- person yeah yeah cool all right you want to pull a card Getting attached. Getting attached. I mean, what comes up for you around that? So, um, so interestingly, um, in the book, um, Lucas having, you know, so, so Lucas had been in a long-term relationship similar to the, the ones that we had been in. And, um, and because of that, and this is also based on both of our own personal experiences, when he actually was out in the world as a single person and trying to date, he could only view those experiences through the lens of being in an attached, long-term committed relationship, which does not work <laughs> when you are just meeting someone or, or you know, trying to date casually. Um, and so, and so part of like what he has to learn is like how actually like how not to become too attached. And, and, and I really wanted in, in Mr. Nice Guy, I really wanted it to be the man who had that issue, not the woman, because I feel like stereotypically it's always the woman who gets too attached, which I actually think is not necessarily accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Jason had similar issues. I We both yeah, like, had we that both. same thing. Though our though the though the dynamic of our relationship in the early days was was definitely that I was attached more than you. you exactly. Were, you were very... <laughs> well, that's the point. Yeah, right. <laughs> she was very consciously trying not to do it. Um, I think, I, you know, I, I think uh, uh, like by by learned experience right like you didn't want to fall into i think you also didn't want to give up your identity as this. i was having a lot of fun yeah, you were when i met you right <laughs> yeah and i and and i um i mean i ultimately i t- i ultimately took her away from all the all that like fun stuff which was like going out damn it i know um except that there's no way and there's no way in hell you would want that anymore <laughs> Can you imagine? No, I have to go to bed um, at like 9.30. Yeah. I'm exhausted. We yeah. have a three-year-old. Yeah. When I met her, she was. I would get emails from her at like 5 in the morning when she had just gotten back from like some bar where she was playing banjo with her girlfriends, and now they're all like eating ice cream in her apartment. And um, and and I, and I think that you were afraid that a relationship would ultimately um, destroy that dynamic. Which, which, it, it, which did. it did. <laughs> which it did, right? And I mean, I didn't mean to. It's like I didn't. I, it wasn't like I was opposed to any of that, but I couldn't be out till five in the morning. I had a job. Yeah. She was a student. I was in grad school. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I also was, I was totally, I spent as long as I could really after that relationship, um, trying to date in a very unattached way. And I wasn't that good at it. I wasn't that good at it. I had just spent too long in relationship mode and I didn't really know how to function outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's pull one last card and then we'll we'll uh, close this up. Yeah. All right. Giving in bed. Giving in bed. Oh, and the yeah. the graphic is a present. A present. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the, the design of this. It's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. All the cards. So all yeah. illustrations on the cards are um, fully non-sexual. Yeah. So they're all great. you know. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, that similar. So people can 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 get a sense. Watching porn had a nice little exploding bag of popcorn. Um, being getting attached was a pip, paper clip, and being watched was like a little stage, a little stage, a little, little. I 
little community theater stage or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Local, local yeah. community theater. Right. Um, I think, yeah, yeah the Re- vision. Regional production. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, <laughs> the vision behind these is very similar to what you were talking about with Mr. Nice Guy. Is like, how do we talk about sex from a very human place? You know, mm-hmm. I think it's not all just about like novelty and like how do I do the freakiest, most, you know, uh, creative thing, but how do we cultivate real intimacy and yeah. connection and and uh so i think that's exciting so um so this last card giving in bed like what's a word what's a thing that comes up for you could be a person's name could be a place could be a sound could be anything what what comes up oh silence oh my god they're both <laughs> um, staring at each other yeah, i wish well, i could I'm video i'm so curious no, I'm, just, I'm trying to like come up with with something from that from from jared's list yeah but I it mean, could be anything. Those are just, I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is like, it's so important. It's yeah. just so important. If, you, if you're not generous in bed, then you're going to have a crappy sex life. And you're actually, it's not even a crappy sex life. Like, you're not going to want to be around the person out of bed if you don't feel like they're being generous with you in bed. True. So, to me, yeah. it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you I, enjoy yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Or is um, it, or, you know, a lot of people, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that, like, there are people who who approach sex very transactionally. There are people who are giving in bed, but they're giving in bed because they also want to receive in bed. They feel like that's, it's, a, it's like this sort of unspoken or sometimes spoken agreement. And there's some people that, Love it. Yeah. There's some people that like really, really love being able to love another person in a way that's like very intimate or very physical or very, you know. Yeah. I mean, I would say that it depends on it depends <laughs> on the situation. Right. Like sometimes like, you know, just depending on like how tired I am and what is going on yeah. and what I'm like to the degree to which I'm stuck in my head or whatever, mm. like. Sometimes it's sometimes it's more transactional. Sometimes it's less transactional, and it's more just like this is super fun. It just real it it completely depends on the situation. Yeah. But I think that but I think that like to the extent that I wouldn't do anything that I don't want to do. So just to be clear about that. But um, but yeah, like I love you, Jason. And <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I I, uh, <laughs> I was. Uh, <laughs> what I'm laughing about is like this really w- weird connection that I made in my head to this thing that the CEO recently told me about selling to consumers. Um, <laughs> which, which, uh, which it's funny, man. Yeah. When we talk about sex. You have no idea what's no going to come up for gonna, people. Yeah. Let, let me let me see if I can um, make make it through that in in ten seconds and then get back to sex. Uh, and I'm not going to name him because it just feels inappropriate in the context here. But I uh, I was talking to this very very prominent um, CEO and, and we were talking about how to reach consumers and and he he made this point which was like you know the consumer just expects that the product's going to work like if you're going to if you try to sell them on like that the product works they don't that doesn't resonate because they already expect that it's going to work so you have to give them something else you have to give and then his answer is you have to give them a story and the reason i thought about that was because i was like you know i like i know i'm going to enjoy the sex like i'm not i'm not concerned about it and i don't need the I don't need to focus on the taking, like just being in the environment. I know I win. So like, I'm not, I'm not worried about it, right? Like what I am, what, what I, what I know I have to actually pay attention to that will make the experience like good for both of us is, 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 is giving is, Mm -hmm. is like making sure that like the, my partner is pleased. Um, so that's how, that's kind of always how I felt about sex because I just, um, I just, you know, I'm just not that, 
I'm not that concerned about my own enjoyment because I know that that's just going to happen. Like I, you yeah. know, I, I'm just like, I don't need to, I just feel like I almost don't need to focus on that much, uh, on it that much. It's like, it's like, it's like what people say about, um, like pizza, you know, it's like, there's no bad pizza. If you have well, some, uh, there is actually kind of bad pizza, right? But people say, right. I think like there's bad, bad sex. I think there's bad sex too. No, there, there is bad sex. I'm just having, it's been so long. <laughs> it's been so <laughs> oh, long that's a great, it's that. been so long. That's yeah, good. It's been so long that I've kind of forgotten. Um, but no, I mean, I, I have, I, I, it's been a very, very long time since I can remember being in an experience where like the sex was bad or I had to focus in some way on my own enjoyment. Like it just, that seemed like I was going to win. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Touchpoint. You can learn more about us at lovetouchpoint.com and follow us on Instagram at, at lovetouchpoint. Have an inspired day and we'll see you next week.